This is the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, Episode 1. We are talking to Melbourne artist Zoe Crogan. Hello and welcome to the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, a podcast for people curious about art and the lives of artists. In this episode, MPIG Senior Curator Danny Lacey talks to artist Zoe Crogan about her exhibition at the MPIG, Deep Cuts. Crogan's artwork splices together the human body with the natural landscape and built environment, seamlessly integrating dancers and athletes with details of modern architecture. She works with sculpture, video, drawing and collage and draws on her personal experiences of studying ballet and dance. Thanks for joining us today, Zoe. Thank you. First of all, when did you know that you wanted to become an artist? I didn't... I actually didn't really... It's not that I didn't want to be an artist, but when I graduated from high school, I kind of thought... I had. I was very interested in writing. Both my parents are writers, and that was kind of something I was really passionate about and reading. And so I was kind of... you kind of between two minds as to whether or not to go to art school, which I got into, and I was surprised that I got into. But it was only a few years. I think in my third year at the VCA, where I thought, oh maybe I like this and maybe this is something that I want to pursue. And so it happened quite naturally. It wasn't, you know, most people are like, I wanted this from the day I was born. But it was, yeah, something that was much more fluid with me and something that I kind of came to terms with thinking was a possibility as well. I think that's another thing as well as you you realise it's a difficult kind of thing to do is to be an artist kind of professionally and, and for that to dedicate essentially your life to that. So it was also coming to terms with that that, that actually might be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it could be possible. Yeah. And how did you first start making the work that you make? When did that happen? I suppose it kind of it happened at VCA as well. I mean, I guess that's why we go to art school is to trial things that otherwise we might not. But um, it happened, I think, uh, once again, probably in about my third year. It was for an assignment, actually, where we had to make a collage. And previous to that, I was, I was actually, I studied drawing for four years and I did printmaking and kind of dry point etching. And so I was always very focused on line work. And then we had an kind of an assignment or something where we had to make a collage in response to a poem. And I'd always collected imagery and I just loved it. Like I, it was like something kind of clicked and I never would have done it otherwise because I probably would have dismissed it as like scrapbooking or something kind of, you know, snobby like that. But I actually, I just loved the format. I loved the process. And I loved this idea that you could kind of bring all these disparate things together and make something whole from it. Mm. I found it very satisfying in a way I perhaps hadn't with other kind of mediums I'd worked with. Mm. Yeah. And on that, can you talk a little bit more about um, the actual process behind making those works, maybe early on, like when you're at art school, and then maybe how that's developed over the, the, the last few years? Sure. I mean, when I first started, they were kind of crazy. Like, it was cutting and pasting and, you know, multiple elements. So it was they, they were kind of these ridiculous tableaus that had bits here and there, you know, which is t- a very stark contrast to what they are now, which is this totally reduced, minimal kind of pairing of just one and the other. And it was the more that I worked with collage, the less I did with collage, because I think images, you know, that they have the ability and the power... Um, to kind of put forth something very strongly. And I found that the, the, the less I used, the more uh, power the image had. Mm. Yeah. I guess it's only through that sort of trial and error where you, um, you learn to reduce, I guess, to end up with some really powerful images, like especially those earlier works that tended to be quite monochromatic as well. Yeah. The three kind of 
the, you know, there's the, the wall of kind of coloured imagery and then the one we're talking about now is the, with the three kind of images, the two black and white ones. Mm -hmm. So they're from 2012, I think, and they're from a show. It was actually the first ever solo show I had with Dane Singer, the gallery that represents me in Melbourne. And I, I suppose that was the first, you know, kind of solid body of work I'd made out kind of from graduating from uni and I was just kind of gunning for it and I, I suppose at that point as well I was really interested in modernist dance so I was looking at you know Trisha Brown and I was looking at this kind of you know uh, a very formal way of addressing the body and so we've got a lot of really hard rigid lines and like you know brutalist architecture <laughs> and, and I suppose for me that was a I was kind of testing what I could do because I was thinking about the body as this kind of soft, malleable form and thinking about, you know, these kind of hard counterparts of brutalist architecture and how one could also be the other, you know. Mm. Yeah. And there's a beautiful... Um, I find there's a beautiful simplicity in the images, even though there must be quite a lot of complexity behind the construction of them, mm. uh, to find those pairings or those um, points where the images come together. What do you find is the most challenging aspect of that collage work? Well, I suppose it's it's very it's kind of a very quiet process, really. It's just kind of me folding bits of paper and looking through them. So it can be kind of I, I find it really methodical. I really like that about the process. And I suppose it's a it's a matter of trial and error, but it can be quite tedious, you know, like I drive myself crazy with it because I have hundreds of images and I'm kind of going, you know, and I suppose it's just that loss of perspective probably. And sometimes, you know, also because although it's a formal connection, it's also a conceptual connection. And often I'll make images that they formally they fit, I think, really nicely, but they're not doing what I want them to do. There's something... Uh, that isn't quite working there. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be surprised when I put another image there and conceptually it works, even if formally I thought that it wouldn't. So it's kind of finding this balance of kind of, yeah, the formal and conceptual elements at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I find like looking back through the different series that you've done, um, you can see that those different series work quite strongly as different groupings. Um, how has that sort of process worked? Have you had been quite had a ma an idea about where you wanted those works to take or in the development have you ended up with a series that say um, those diving works that mm. sort of comes together? I think yeah I, I have a tendency and maybe it's because you know as an artist I work in terms of shows mm. so I'll make work for shows so you want it to be coherent but I think it's really helpful to think about my work in groups because I think it's pretty consistent the mm. process you know it's, it's always or has been for at least six years just me putting two images together so in a way it's this enormously kind of basic process but being able to kind of introduce these different conceptual elements or you know deciding that I will work with colour or I will work with only primary colour or I will only work with divers or tennis players allows me to have kind of a through line or something that can change it mm. and make it different yeah mm. And I guess um, we could probably talk about dance for a long time up here. How has that um, influenced your work? I think that it's kind of in the same way as architecture has. It's, it's this focus on the body and space, really. And I suppose that's one of the major concerns of the work is how we negotiate and navigate space. And dance is a really beautiful, to, to me, a really beautiful um, exploration of the body in space and the way that body responds to space. Mm. 
So I think contemporary architecture is kind of this, puts us in this interesting position as an unnatural space for a natural body. And I'm interested in exploring that. Mm. So dance is really informative. Yeah, do you find, um, obviously you have danced previously, um, do you find that that history of dance somehow informs the way that you view those images? Or the dancing, dances in the imagery? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think it's just that thing of feeling something with your body as opposed to feeling something intellectually or understanding something artistically. And I think that, you know, it's hard to say exactly how that helps, but I think, I think that is important. Yeah. And also, um, I guess, that collision of different imagery. So the architecture is really sort of powerful, especially as you were talking about the brutalist architecture. Um, I'm interested to, to know, like, when you're walking through modern architecture, do you have any strange feelings or conniptions or thinking about your work? It's very powerful, the work, but when you're actually physically in those environmental architectural built structures, um, yeah, does that sort of, ref do you reflect on that in a different way? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of obsessed with <laughs> my sensitivity to space. It's kind of a bit crazy. And maybe that's, a, you know, a large part of where the work comes from. I've, I'm really sensitive to space and always having a very particular, like about my studio and where I can work and where I can't work and kind of how my body feels in a room. And yeah. I think that that informs it, but also then doing the work and having this focus probably makes me even hyper aware of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any spaces that you can't um, walk into? <laughs> um, touching on your studio, I wanted to sort of ask you about what um, life is like being a professional artist these days. Like, um, yeah, how do you, how much time do you spend in the studio, the galleries and friends and networks that you have? Um, if you can just talk a bit about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's wonderful to be able to have the opportunity to exhibit. It's such a privilege, but I suppose, I mean, I spend any day I'm not at work because I work part-time in a bookshop as well because I can't quite get away with just making art. Um, so any day I'm not there, I mean, a shocking amount of time spends I spend writing emails and kind of applying for grants and, you know, I suppose it's that admin-based stuff as well you spend a lot of time doing. But um, And in terms of galleries as well, I, so I'm represented by a Melbourne-based gallery called Dane Singer and, you know, we're in contact almost every day, you know, if, talking about whatever, a support letter for a grant or a possibility for a show next year or, you know, et cetera. Mm. So it's kind of, it's pretty in, entirely encompassing, encompassing, which I don't mind, but it can be difficult to have any kind of separation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just talking about the exhibition at the NPRG, Deep Cuts, um, I guess we sort of developed that together a little bit yeah. in terms of what works would be in yeah. included. Um, having seen the show, what are your thoughts on, on it now? <laughs> oh, it's, it's really uh, wonderful to see that work again being exhibited because, you know, you spend six months making a body of work and you show it once kind of in this format and then it's never shown again and, and that can feel really sad. So being able to have it in a, in a fresh space, a fresh architectural space, and in this case, with a new configuration. So it's the work has never been exhibited in this configuration before or with any of these other works. They're kind of all hand-picked. Danny and I kind of selected them from different series. So in a way, it's quite strange, but also it allows me to see them afresh, I think, mm. which is really great for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess it was a, a great process to go through. Mm. Um, 
and I guess for me to look at your work more closely as well and to see yeah. consistency and parallels across different years. Mm -hmm. So when you think about 2012, all those sort of very monochromatic works and then really sort of see that influence of colour coming in and yeah, very sort yeah. of consistent colour. So the tonal range was very consistent across different yeah. groupings. Um, for example, the works um, out in Gallery 4 of the tennis players, like yeah, those yeah. are very strong, yeah, very strong old, colours. Yeah. When you were making those sort of works, how do you start to bring in that colour? Is it just the, work, the re research material that you're looking at or is that a deliberate attempt to expand the work a bit more? Yeah, that was very deliberate, I think, because it was almost a reaction to the 2012 work that I'd made that was all monochromatic and I, it was very, very difficult to go because, you know, you train your eye to see things a certain way and I trained my eye to see the found image just in terms of its formal structure. And then I was seeing coloured images in that way and putting them together and realising that it wouldn't work because you have this whole other formal element, which is colour. So you, it may have worked for me kind of structurally, but the palette was completely like, you know, it would, there was no kind of harmony there. And, and you realise how many kind of variations there are of blue or cream and why that won't work or why that will work. So, I mean, it was great though. Mm. You know, it's, I think it's... That was another example of me trying to kind of find another grouping for my work or find a different way. I mean, I, I guess it, it's about finding a different way of doing one thing, which I find really interesting, and I hope that other people do too. Yeah, it's interesting because I find those the works that have the quite strong colour, um, the connections between the images, they feel like there's not a different process, but you can see that it's been much more worked through maybe to try and yeah. get them to work um, together. Yeah, it's challenging, I think, because... Well, I mean, in a way, it's more difficult and less difficult because you can have a relationship between colour, which means that you don't need such a strong relationship between the figures, if that makes sense. You know, so they become kind of... you can They can be more minimal and still have a kind of really beautiful dialogue, you know, because you have the relationship between a kind of red or a blue on either side. They're echoing each other in just a different way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I just wanted to ask you about um, a project that you did a few years ago at the CCP, the Centre for Contemporary yeah. Photography, the Sievers Project. Yes. Um, can you talk a bit about that project and the work that you made and responding to, obviously, Wolfgang Sievers' work? Yeah, for sure. So for that project, basically, the brief we were given is that we just had to respond to and or appropriate the work of Wolfgang Sievers, whose work I'd admired for years. You know, his architectural photography is kind of so strong and hugely influential for someone like me who, you know, is very invested in especially architectural photography. So, but it was intimidating as well because he is a great and I, I suppose I'd thought about that a lot and I'd thought about kind of the appropriation of the found image and of his image and how I could kind of work with that because I'd essentially been given licence to use any image by him, which was like really exciting as an artist who works with the found image, but also quite intimidating. So... I made a series of collages, I think there were about five, perhaps, and I hung them, they were kind of much more exposed in terms of their format. I'm gonna describe this really badly, so help me if it doesn't make sense. But I kind of hung them from the roof um, in two panels. So each image I got mounted onto uh, aluminium and then hung them kind of in front of each other. So to me, I suppose the reason I did that was to kind of expose the, the process of the work that it is one image overlapping the other, but also as a way to, a kind of non-invasive way, even of course it's invasive in any case, but a less invasive way of kind of respecting the Seavers' work and not 
cutting into it and not kind of hacking at it or <laughs> attaching to it. I mean, that's one of them there. You can't tell from that photograph. When you see an image from the side, though, you can see how quite clearly they're two separate panels. Mm. Um, There's a gap, yeah, if yeah. you go to the side, you can see, you know. Mm. Yeah. Had you ever made work like that before where it was actually more sculptural in a way? There had been... I had done a few kind of installations where I just kind of, yeah... Uh, got the images printed onto board and kind of placed one in front of the other. And I find that very satisfying <laughs> if it works, um, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't have any kind of pretenses. It's very clear about what it is. And that can, that can make the association really dramatic because you can see that that's where the image ends and that's where the other one starts and that they still have a relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, you've been busy recently um, gracing the cover of the <laughs> Magazine with uh, the rest of the men. Um, and you're in the upcoming Heidi show as well, which looks really interesting. Are you making new work for that or is that um, existing kind work? Of, that will be existing work, which I kind of chose with Sue Kramer, the director at Heidi, as to what kind of might sympathise with constructivism and suprematism most in my work, and but still new work. So there will be two pieces of my work in yeah. the show, yeah. Oh, great. Now, I've got a... One of my last questions. Um, what is the one thing that you wished you knew when you started out, even though you're still quite young? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's not kind of a, a piece of information. I mean, maybe it would be that perhaps to, like, apologise for myself or my work less and that it's OK just to, to kind of make it and have your obsessions and eccentricities and, you know, um, and not kind of worry about that mm -hmm. I think maybe in my first year out of uni I was a bit because you know I suppose it was very quick uh, you know I went kind of straight through uni and then went straight through the VCA and then was kind of out and got signed and was like ah, and started making work and so it felt kind of quite rapid and maybe that maybe that would be it, to worry less <laughs> yeah that's a good good bit of advice yeah <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode one of our conversation series. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is the region's major cultural facility and is supported by Mornington Peninsula Shire and other partners. Visit mprg.mornpen.vic.gov.au to find out about our latest exhibitions and events. In the next episode, Danny will be talking to Lucilla Wyborn de Brera, the daughter of modernist artist Constance Stokes. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.